It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. In fact, the first episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast that I, Jake Lisko, have ever hosted when the Cincinnati Bengals have had a winning record. I'm joined from Paul Brown Stadium by my co-host, James Rapine. And James, <laughs> this game is cause for excitement. Many of our listeners looking for a woo I'll tell you what, listeners, if you're listening on a non-YouTube platform, go to YouTube. There is some excitement over there, some incentive for you to watch on YouTube today. But the Bengals, for the most part, in this 27-24 to victory in Week 1 over the Minnesota Vikings, outplayed the Vikings, especially early in the game when the Vikings couldn't get a snap-off. And Joe Burrow credited the crowd, so if you were at the game Great job. He said the Vikings were trying to go with a normal cadence, not a silent count early. They had like five false starts, including after the Bengals had that quick strike going into the half. They go out and empty to to finish up the half, and we'll get back to the first quarter. But the the Vikings line up and empty to try to maybe sneak a field goal out before halftime, and they have a false start on the first play. Just incredible stuff early. The, The Vikings offensive line, an absolute mess. But overall, James... I thought the Bengals started this game, especially on defense, very well. And that was the key is you you just set a tone when you dominate in the trenches like they did. They held held Dalvin Cook in check uh, for most of the day. But setting that early on, setting that precedent, it mattered. B.J. Hill getting after Kirk Cousins, Larry Ogunjobi getting after Kirk Cousins. It just makes such a a difference, and and it makes – it makes it easier to hide your flaws, a.k.a. Eli Apple, who was, man, rotten Apple on that one drive, the Vikings' first scoring drive. And, uh, Lord, I, I was just thinking, like, man, this is going to be a huge narrative. And then the offense got going. And I don't know about you. I wasn't shocked. I tried to temper people's expectations for Burrow early. I thought he was going to be feeling his way uh, throughout the game. And I, I think really it was Zach kind of made a, an effort. He didn't say this afterwards. He said it was just they needed to get a first down. But it seemed like a pretty conservative approach on the, the first couple of drives as uh, they were easing Burrow back into action. Really heavy on the run game throughout the game. One of the few games, I would say, since Joe Burrow's been in Cincinnati where they they ran it more than they passed it. Joe Mixon finishing the game, by the way, with 33 touches, 29 carries, and four catches. But let's tell the story of the game Real quick, James, before we get too far into some of the takeaways, because, you know, we could talk about how well Larry Ogunjobi played, how well DJ Reader played, how well Trey Hendrickson played, the the forced fumble at the end of the game for Jermaine Pratt, and we will get to all of those things. But the Vikings did go up first in this one, because as you said, James, the Bengals started the game with a a bit of a conservative approach. You're right. I I even tweeted this. I I, I was, the thought in my head was, 
this is why you play Joe Burrow in the preseason. If this is your approach to open the regular season and, and you know, maybe this is the game plan anyway. Maybe this is just the emphasis this year with Frank Pollock in the building, the wide zone scheme. They want to run the ball more, but they start like almost entirely under center for the first few drives of the game and they're running the ball. And that's fine. It's not terribly successful. And so Joe Burrow finds himself in some difficult third downs that the Bengals can't convert early. And then the Vikings score. And and they go down the field. And, and that's the sequence I think you're talking about where Eli Apple has three plays in a row where he's called for a defensive holding penalty. He then, uh, you know, falls down on the touchdown pass. And I'm missing one play. He had three in a row. It, it, it was oh, third, and third and 24. And he yeah. missed a tackle. Anybody could have made it. You know, anybody. Even if you're not on the built bar plan, you could have made this tackle because you just shove him out of bounds. And it was on the sidelines. And you don't do that. And, yeah, that was, a, you know, just such a heck of a sequence. And really outside of that, what gripe is there about the the first half for this defense? I mean, they were they were getting after it. They were winning. They were generating pressure up the middle, which is honestly in a, a perfect world, that's where you'd want to generate the pressure more so than not, uh, because you're going to make quarterbacks uncomfortable. And we saw that with Kirk Cousins. He was off target a couple times, missed Justin Jefferson a couple times, and uh, looked out of rhythm. the The Vikings' offensive line in the first half was entirely out of sorts of false starts we talked about. I think they have like five or six false starts in the first half and they went to a silent count in the second half. They cleaned that issue up, but they were also holding a ton. It was DJ Reader and Trey Hendrickson and uh, both of those guys drawing multiple holding penalties, if I recall correctly, in this game. And Larry Ogunjobi was just an all-star in this game, consistently winning with power. He was winning in the run game. He was winning in the pass game. BJ Hill, newly acquired from from New York, right? He had two sacks in this game on somewhat limited snaps, you know, as a rotational piece. So the entire interior defensive line, I I agree, played really well, especially early. And this was an area where, you know, when we were talking to Luke and when we were talking on Thursday, this was a spot where we thought the Bengals should have an advantage. And they did. Their power up the middle worked out. And, And the fact that the Vikings were a little bit more athletic, didn't really show up a ton and the Bengals set the tone really well early, keeping Minnesota behind the chain. Some of that self-inflicted and not letting Dalvin cook get going early. And then the offense, like, like I was saying, after the Vikings scored, the offense sort of took, took the safety off of Joe Burrow to some degree. And they marched down the field and, and Jamar chase can't say enough about his, his game, right? It was absolutely fantastic. There's the deep ball that everyone's going to remember the 50 yard bomb, but Joe Burrow, you know, he threw a perfect pass to Tyler Boyd on a third down, comes back, throws a perfect pass on the sideline to Jamar Chase. And Chase was a consistent third down target for the Bengals. And so a lot of really good things to take away there, right? One, Jamar Chase doesn't drop a pass. Two, he's a reliable third down target who's converting third downs. And three, Joe Burrow hit a deep ball in game one to Jamar Chase. And it looked identical to a play that the LSU social media team kind of patched together from his time at LSU. That's a really good tweet. You should go check that out. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I mean, this was sort of the expectation, right, for Jamar Chase. I mean, he set a rookie record today, you know, the most receiving yards by a, a rookie Bengal um, in a debut ever. And and so you do that, you help your team win. And it's funny, the, the one reception no one's going to remember, because I, I think even before the deep ball, um, the out route, it was a nice catch. He had plenty of separation there. Apparently that was a, 
an audible that they were working on and, and something that Joe Burrow uh, changed at the line. And then the second catch, I mean, it was all hands. He was, he was a little behind him. He was moving full speed, uses his hands. And then his final catch of the day, Jake, which got him over the 100-yard mark, was the play that he dropped in this very stadium that I'm sitting in right now a couple of weeks ago. And it was that same little uh, quick screen. And good for him because I think now his confidence is going to be so sky high. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure all of his, you know, his family and people like that are, I told you so. And even Joe Burrow at the start of his, uh, his news conference, he was like, you know, I, I forget exactly what he said, but it was something snarky about, uh, oh, I thought all he does is drop him. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Really good showing for Chase. You mentioned the, the little tunnel screen or the, uh, jailbreak screen. Zach Taylor called it. If it was in fact the same play, I haven't had a chance to go back and look to verify exactly what kind of screen it was, but he caught the wide receiver screen. That's, that's what you like to see. He also caught an in-breaking pass, caught two in-breaking passes. I think one went for a first down early. The other one got them into that, uh, that, that fourth and short from their own 30 that they went for. And we're going to have to talk about that decision. I think there's a lot to talk about there, but what was really impressive is a couple of really nice hands catches, as you mentioned, and the run after catch showed up. He also had that jet sweep that looked like it was blocked pretty poorly. It didn't look like Jamar Chase knew where to cut it upfield, or maybe he didn't have anywhere to cut it upfield. So those were their Jamar Chase touches on the day, but generally speaking, very, very effective. And, you know, also credit T Higgins. He, he got free in that zone for that first touchdown pass. James, we've only gotten through the first half here, so we'll have to finish up with the second half in, in overtime, which, you know, if you would have asked me at the end of the third quarter, is this game going to overtime? I would have told you, well, something has gone wrong and something did go wrong in the second half. Let's get into that coming up next. Football season is back and let's make the most of it with Run Your Pool. It's the best way to create your custom pool at uh, runyourpool.com. They're the premier sports pool hosting uh, service. They have dozens of different formats from Survivor, Pickup, Squares, Margin, Confidence Pools, 33, and so much more. And they format for the NFL. You can do college, one-week games, full season, or even the Super Bowl. So check them out right now and get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on or use the promo code locked on at checkout anywhere, everywhere in the world. Run Your Pool helps friends and colleagues compete. So NFL season, it's underway. The Bengals are 1-0. So start today at runyourpool.com slash locked on and have your pool up and running in minutes. Runyourpool.com slash locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Bengals came out of the first half having just scored a touchdown. They hit that bomb to Jamar Chase, the 50-yard sideline vertical where he toasts Brashad Breeland in single coverage. Looked just like a play from LSU, as I mentioned, 35 seconds left in the half. They got the ball because they deferred to start the second half. Their first possession of the second half, they marched down the field and do what you fantasize about going into and coming out of the half. They score another touchdown. They have a six-minute, roughly 
touchdown drive capped by a Joe Mixon touchdown run. It couldn't be going better at this point. And then suddenly they make a, well, actually I shouldn't say suddenly then, then Minnesota had a long drive. Am I, am I remembering this correctly? The next touchdown for Minnesota was an extended drive in the third quarter. No, it was, so it was 21 seven. And, uh, and then you go, they went for it. Oh, that's when they went for it. And and so they go for it on fourth and one on the 30 and it, it let, and we could talk about it right now. Let the Bengals or let the Vikings right back in the game because the Bengals don't get it. And uh, even though the Bengals defense holds up fourth and four, well, Minnesota's going to go for it down two scores. They, they send uh, everybody on the blitz and uh, you know, cover zero. Well, good luck because <laughs> Mike Hilton gets beat by Adam Thielen. My fantasy team celebrates by the way. Uh, Cause if, who wouldn't want Thielen? He's a touchdown maker, but uh, the Vikings got right back in the game. Yeah. So let's talk about this decision. The fourth down bot, which is I think run by Ben Baldwin running backs. Don't matter.com RBS D RBS Anyway, it actually said in, in a very, very thin margin going for it, was mathematically the right call. Um, a lot of people really agree with this decision. They like the aggression from Zach Taylor. They like the instinct to put put the Vikings away, but but even if they make it, right? So what the what the math, what the robot said at this juncture in the game was if you punt, you have an 87% chance to win. If you go for it and you make it, you have a 92% chance to win. If you go for it and you don't make it, you have an 82% chance to win. So it still really likes your chances of winning because you give the ball back to the Vikings at the 30. They're not guaranteed to score a touchdown. But whether you believe in momentum or not, there's a big psychological shift there when you don't get it. And you can argue Joe Mixon would have or would not have gotten if he doesn't lose his footing a little bit. You know, maybe maybe it's more likely that he falls forward for that half foot uh, or, or half yard that they still needed. But then the Vikings get the ball back and and have a very short field and the Bengals have a chance to get off the field here. And if they get the stop on that 24 yard touchdown pass to Adam Thielen, you just talked about James wasn't actually a full cover cover zero. I, I did see some linebackers dropping out. They had Logan Wilson roboting off the line of scrimmage, meaning he, he showed blitz and then he's trying to find the crosser behind him. He's a little bit slow to get there. Obviously didn't get his head around to find the play because it's a quick pass coming out. Um, but, but you open yourself up to that risk. And to me, from that deep in your own territory, risk or reward, no matter what the math says, and it was very marginal, doesn't really work out. Um, if they're on the 40 instead of the 30, that, then I kind of get it. That, that 10 yards even makes a difference to me. But I, I know it's conservative. I, I think they should have punted the ball there. The, the benefit of making that, I mean, maybe Minnesota goes down and scores a touchdown anyway. Right. But you you increase their chances in, in this this psychological shift. And I do think that then later in the game, not the fourth down in overtime where the decision is made for Taylor, he has to go for it. The there's a point where, oh, to, to finish the game after they get stopped and they're on like the 48 yard line or something there on fourth and three. I wanted Zach Taylor to go for it. And then he punts the ball back to Minnesota, who goes down and gets a field goal to take the game to overtime. So. Fourth down aggression where I don't agree, but, you know, technically the, the analytics and the math are on Taylor's side barely. And then later in the game, you, you see this this uh, this this chain reaction where Taylor kind of goes into a shell a little bit after they don't get it. They start running the ball a ton. They take the ball out of Burrow's hands. I, I think he threw the ball like five times in the second half. 
and, and maybe that's slightly off, but it, you know, they were running the ball a ton, which is fine. It's great. But, uh, it, it, at some point, you know, they, they put themselves in some bad spots because of the conservatism to try to kill the game. Well, the, the call itself <clears throat> to hand it off to Mixon was crap. It was a bad play call. They never should have ran that play. Zach admitted it afterwards. The Vikings were waiting on that. And so whether he slips or not, I, I, I don't even – I think it's a, a moot point, to be honest. I, I think the the fact is, is that the Vikings are like, oh, you're really going to go for it? Well, this is what we think you're going to do. And then they did it. And usually you fail when that's the case. Sometimes you do, and maybe they would have gotten that yard. But uh, the Vikings were ready for it. Uh, I agree with you that Zach's going to have to figure out the, all right, we're going to be aggressive here. We're not going to be aggressive here. And it's it's f- funny, like he was 2-13-1 and one in one-score games before the win over the Vikings. And there were multiple times in that second half where it's like, well, they're going to give this game away. Nine minutes to go. I don't know about you. I knew the Vikings were going to – when it was a 10-point game, 24-14, I was like, oh, this game is not over. And, you know, then it was 24-21, and that crowd was nervous, nervous, nervous. You could feel it. And and so that's something that Zach's going to have to just get better at, improve, get a better feel for. And he's got a team that's going to be in in more of these games and not just hanging around, but, like, has a chance to, to win some of these. They have the firepower. They have the quarterback. Part of the reason, though, Jake, I, I think Joe didn't throw it as much in the second half, certainly when it got tight, um, and, and certainly in overtime especially, right? We didn't see him throw much, and we'll get to it. He tweaked that ankle, and he was limping off the field uh, after that fifth sack that the Vikings uh, had. I think it was Daniel, uh, Daniel Hunter um, who had the sack. But he tweaked that ankle pretty good, and I think it's worse than even he let on. He was trying to, you know, dismiss it and not even talk about it. And I didn't even know it was the ankle, but I asked him and he, he said it was. So that is something to watch as we get into this week is how healthy is he? Is he a full go in practice and, and stuff like that? I'm not saying he's not going to play next week or anything, but uh, you just don't want that to linger. Yeah, it was the left leg that bent awkwardly, which is the nightmare, right? But the knee brace holds up, the knee holds up, the knee is fine. The ankle turns a little bit. He gets rolled up on a little bit, as he said, and yeah, you you obviously hope he's okay. I'm sure that plays some factor. But you look at the second half and the Bengals with, with their play calling, you know, you want the run game to be successful, but if it's not, you know, take a shot at some point. Instead, you know, they have a successful running drive that gets them to 24-14, as you mentioned, and then Minnesota rips off a 10-play, 75-yard drive. And I think this was, this was the one that was um, penalty-aided. The Bengals have a a third and five hands to the face penalty that leads to the first down. That was on Trey Hendrickson. You can't take a guy's helmet off. It's a bailout call, but you can't take a guy's helmet off if you're a defensive lineman. That's not allowed. Uh, later on, I think there was another penalty on that drive. I'm not actually seeing it here. So maybe it was just the one. That one gets them the first down on third down. Maybe they go for it and get it. And then the Bengals get the ball back, and you have one successful quick throw, Tyler Boyd, uh, short middle, 18 yards, and then you run it incomplete deep shot. And, you know, again, this is, this is where you want that deep ball to be a little bit more consistent. The ball drifts out of bounds. Jamar chase did actually beat Brashad Breland on this shot again, but wasn't really catchable. And, and then Joe Burrow takes that sack from Daniel Hunter. And so that Daniel Hunter sack can't let that happen. If you're Joe Burrow, you cannot let, I, I know you have a quick concept called 
but you, you can't let Daniil Hunter get one-on-one -on -one with Drew Sample. And so a lot of the, the protection issues in this game, Trey, Trey Hopkins had a bad game in pass protection. Uh, Michael Pierce crossed his face twice, and those were two sacks. One of them I thought was a free rusher, and it was just, it was Trey, Trey Hopkins getting beat. Somebody had to correct me. Yeah. Uh, but most of the pass protection, protection issues in this game, I thought were, were mental issues from Joe Burrow. He, he's got to do a better job of getting them into the right situations pre-snap. And he's mostly pretty good at it. And, and the Vikings defense makes it really hard. And we talked to Luke about that. But if I'm looking for where I'm where I'm pointing the finger for five sacks and like eight other hits or something that Burrow took, some of it is pass protection. And, and a lot of it is just getting into the right protection. And uh, the conservatism comes back to bite him in the butt. Minnesota has a chance, as we talked about the earlier fourth down decision at the end of the game to punt the ball away. Really nice drive for Kirk Cousins, and the Bengals couldn't get a stop. When they needed to get a stop late in the game, they had a fourth, fourth, uh, fourth down opportunity. Instead, the undrafted kicker from Minnesota makes the, the field goal to send the game to overtime when eventually the Bengals benefit from a call stands on a Dalvin Cook fumble and get an Evan McPherson drafted kicker field goal to win the game. James, let's finish up coming up next with some of our takeaways from the game and some of our players of the game, because this is a really positive note for the Bengals to start the season. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching your sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simpler way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, without the confusion. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings all of the live TV and on-demand favorites in one spot. It brings them together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows in one spot. No more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device. All you got to do to get rid of the clutter is go to directtv.com and check out Direct TV Stream. Again, it's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. James, you mentioned the built bar plan requirement or lack thereof to tackle uh, on the sideline, the tackle that Eli Apple missed early in the game. Well, you should get on the built bar plan because honestly, you sitting at home listening to this podcast, you do need the built bar plan. If you have, want to have any hope of tackling an NFL player, they've got nine delicious flavors. You can check out coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, Double chocolate and salted caramel. There is something for everyone. And that doesn't even hit on their limited time flavors. They've got about 17 grams of protein per bar, 130 calories, just four grams of sugar. And they're coated with 100% real chocolate. You can't beat that in a protein bar. Go check out all of their selection right now at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. James, obviously the, the biggest takeaway in this game is the Bengals won. That's fantastic. They won a one-score game. <laughs> maybe it was the right call. Maybe it was a wrong call. The fact that Dalvin Cook's fumble was called a fumble on the field meant everything because I don't know that they could have overturned it either way. But the ball bouncing the Bengals' way in this one, they win the one score game. That is obviously a massive takeaway, but I will say, and, and I mentioned this earlier, 
They've got to close the games. They had numerous chances in this game. All they needed was one more second half touchdown. They end up going, uh, you know, the, the four and out. And they have two other drives that end in punts. One drive that ends in a field goal after their touchdown drive to open the second half. One touchdown there. That, that ices the game. That's all they needed. They, they didn't get it on offense. And then on defense, the Vikings in the second half go touchdown, touchdown, punt, field goal to finish the game. The, the defense had chances too. They finally get, get it done. They get what they need and barely, uh, barely in overtime. But it shouldn't have gotten to that point, right? That's one takeaway for me. On the one hand, it's great. They won the one-score game. They got the play. On the other hand, let's finish the game earlier. Let's not make it so tense. You have a chance when you're up 10 points to ice the game. For sure. No doubt about it. And well, that's why you don't go for it on that fourth and one at the 30, because that's what gave the Vikings hope. I, I, they wouldn't have think about it. I mean, they were on fourth and four when they score that touchdown. They're not going for it on fourth and four. If you punt, they're, they're punting back and then you get the ball and you can still put the game on ice. Plus there's less time on the clock and you're feeling good. So those are the type of things that they have to clean up because you make that mistake and that now it has a ripple effect. And there were so many little things and so many times when they could have ran the, the, the clock out, heck, why get so conservative on that final possession uh, of before overtime, the final possession of the fourth quarter? You have a shot there to just kind of ice the game. Do it. Get get the ball to your weapons in space. Now, T. Higgins was sort of limited in the second half. He was getting an IV and was battling cramps. So I get it. I understand. At the same time, you still have a bunch of playmakers. And, and that's the thing that surprised me about Sunday the most negatively, I think. I was surprised that we didn't see these guys in space more, right? And in, in getting – I mean, Chase had a big day, but you, you want to get Chase in space and you want to get Boyd in space or Mixon in space. or And that's all they – they literally needed a first down, and it's over. And, and it shouldn't have even got to that point, to your point. <laughs> but those, those are the things that – you're going to lose games. You're going to end up losing games later this year if you don't get that first down like they they didn't do on Sunday. But they were able to pull it out, and I will say this. You want to talk about MVPs of the game and stuff like that? I'm just saying the rookie has got to be in there because Mr. Evan McPherson is straight money. That dude, 53, 33, 103, doesn't matter to him. He's kicking it through. Yeah, I mean, really, really nice that you have a guy you can trust to make a 53-yard field goal. Right. That that mattered in the game. Uh, by the way, the undrafted kicker on the other side also made a 50 plus yard field goal. But I will say this. Good. Good for Evan McPherson proving that the Bengals subtweeted me, James. I don't know if you saw that. The Bengals tweet to celebrate winning the game was like, that's why you draft a kicker. And I'm like, oh, man, the Bengals, they, they listen to our podcast. They've been listening to me too much. They, they want revenge. And yeah, that is why you draft a kicker. And if you do draft a kicker, he better be Evan McPherson. And he better make those clutch kicks. And he did. So you know what? Props to the Bengals. Props to Evan McPherson. Absolutely for doing what needed to be done there. Uh, other things to mention, James, we talked about uh, Jamar Chase. I thought Joe Burrow 
generally pretty good as a quarterback in this game. I mentioned I'd like to see him get a little bit more confident pre-snap, but again, the Vikings make that really hard on you. Another pretty tough test on defense next week in the Bears, but I thought Joe Burrow was good. Joe Mixon, you know, he said earlier this week he wants to put the city on his back. He was the workhorse in this game. Four and a half yards per carry on 20, 29 carries. He adds with some some receiving yards and, and four receptions. And I thought he was great. Did a generally good job of finding the place to get north-south, making guys miss. There's one play in the fourth quarter, I remember, where they changed the play. Eric Kendricks then changes the play for Minnesota's defense. Kendricks knifes into the backfield, and he's there for like a three-yard loss, but Mixon makes a miss in the backfield and ends up getting two yards on the play instead. And so, you know, that's just one example. He made guys miss in the open field on bigger plays as well. And he, he looked generally very, very good in this game, decisive and making guys miss. That's all you're looking for. So for those big three skill guys, really, really nice game. For sure. For sure. Uh, you need Mixon to be that type of guy and, what did you say last week? You said whoever wins in the run is going to win the game. And ultimately, what did Mixon do? He put up 100 and was reliable. What did Cook do? Didn't get near 100, was held in check most of the game, and he fumbled when it mattered most. And, you know, that that's the other takeaway. Jermaine Pratt in, in these linebackers and in really the whole front seven, they did what they needed to do against Dalvin Cook. And then at the end of the game, they forced the the fumble. That was the ultimate deciding factor. And uh, man, what a, what a wild, it, it's never easy. And there's always some kind of wild finish or something like this. A lot of times, 24, uh, 14, right. Or 21, seven, you could probably put that one to bed. It's in the second half, right? Nope. But uh, it was, uh, it was certainly fun to cover. I think this is just kind of the way of the NFL. In a lot of ways, you have these relatively close games. You know, it's a two-score game. And and all you need to do, like I said, if you're the Bengals, you're up two, two touchdowns in the second half. You score one more touchdown, the game is over. The Bengals don't do that. And you see that all the time in the NFL, where these games do come down to a couple plays here or there, and, and you end up with a close game, a field goal to, you know, try to send the game to overtime, a 53-yard field goal for Greg Joseph who kicked in Cleveland last year, by the way. Uh, also props, I, I think we've mentioned this. Um, Larry Ogunjobi was an absolute game wrecker. The one thing to watch there, he did seem to wear down fourth quarter overtime, normal early season stuff. He played a lot of snaps, was generally fantastic in this game. I thought DJ Reader was great, especially early, controlling the line of scrimmage, drawing holding penalties, uh, had, had a couple pressures early. Trey Hendrickson won the matchup he should have won against Rashad Hill on the Vikings left side. Uh, Von Bell, haven't mentioned Von Bell yet. I thought he had a really nice game as well. Had a couple of really good hits. And Janobe Awuzie was shadowing Justin Jefferson for a lot of the game. Justin Jefferson largely held in check. Uh, Cheeto had a couple pass breakups. He did get called for uh, a grabbing Adam Thielen late in the game, which was the right call, unfortunately. But uh, generally a pretty nice game for Cheeto. So the additions on defense showing up in a big way. Um, Got to get back to those protections, getting those protections set more accurately pre-snap. That's something to look for going forward on offense. But, you know, generally speaking, hard to complain too much. 27-24 win for the Cincinnati Bengals in week one. And for me, hey, I take that, James. Winning record on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. How about that? 
Yeah. How about that? It's been a while. Uh, you know, so t 2018 was the last time about midway through that year and we know how that year ended. So hopefully this year is much, much different. Uh, overall, you're right. I think you can be encouraged by what you saw. Um, and you're right. If, if they can shore up a little things, nine looks like he's still that dude. And that, that's the, the biggest takeaway <laughs> for me is like, man, like uh, he had a throw to Boyd. It was right before yep. the chase deep ball. Yep. That throw to Boyd was insane. Like such a tight window, like, oh my God. And uh, me and Ben Baby from ESPN were talking about it. And then the chase play happens. It was, uh, it was a fun one, but yeah, it, um, it, it's this, this season does feel like Jake knock on wood that it could be pretty damn exciting. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, win 17 games in a row or anything, but I think it could be an exciting one for sure. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of pieces there and they've won a winnable game. And hey, you take that to start out and you hope that it snowballs. You, Joe Burrow talked about this after the game. He said, you know, early in the week, I said the first game is just like every game. I was lying to you. all It's important. You got to get off on a right foot and it can snowball. It can build. And if that's the case for the Bengals, this is something that they haven't had under Zach Taylor just to get it rolling a little bit. And, and carry over some of the success that they started to find last year. Putting in that new wide zone scheme on offense seems to have been really good for Joe Mixon. They got some really nice plays off of the play action, the run pass option looks from Joe Burrow being under center. So excited to see how it continues to develop this year. And hey, it's our first hint as to how this year is going to go, James. The Bengals start out on a positive note, 1-0, winning 27-24 over the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back tomorrow with our second watch takeaways. Until then, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.